Welcome to CentCast, the official podcast of the United States Central Command, America's premier warfighting headquarters. Coming to you from Tampa Bay, Florida, with your host, Joe Buccino. Hey folks, welcome back to CentCast. This is episode 10. Here in CentCom, our work is complicated and critical, so it's important we simplify our efforts so we're all rowing in the same direction. All our efforts fold into two buckets. Each bucket has three categories. There are three things we do in CENTCOM. All our operations, activities, and investments fall into one of these categories. So, deter Iran, counter violent extremist organizations, compete strategically with China and Russia. That is what we do. The next bin is people, partners, innovation. That's how we do it. All six of these elements advance the security and stability of the world's central region. Deter Iran. Counterviolent extremist organizations compete strategically with China and Russia. Those three actions are the only reason the United States has a CENTCOM. People, Partners, Innovation, PPI. Those three elements are how we accomplish those first three actions. Last episode, episode nine with Fleet Walters, we spoke about people, how we think about caring for, leading, recruiting, and retaining our people. Today, we are talking about partners. No one better to do that with than Marine Corps Major General Sean Saline. They call him Sumo, and he is the Director of Strategy and Plans here at CENTCOM. He oversees our efforts to plan and train with partnered forces in the region. He's a fantastic leader, really thoughtful guy. He has an aviation background, led Marine Corps Aviation Unit many times in combat during our wars in Iraq and Afghanistan. Also has five master's degrees. I thought that was interesting. But on a personal level, he's very well read. He served also as the Marine Corps Communications Director. So he's a warrior intellect. And, you know, he's a very thoughtful combat leader. Let's bring him in. Major General Sean Sumo Saline. I feel like, sir, you could read from an Army field manual and it would be interesting. Well, thank you very much, Joe. It's a real opportunity, and I appreciate it. I am a fan of the Suncast uh, production. I usually listen to it when I'm running and when I'm going along Bayshore Boulevard, and I particularly like the Dr. Christ episode. Mm-hmm. And I got to say, when you had Khalid, our SNR from Senior National Representative from Kuwait on there, it's fantastic. It all hinges on the guest, so it's on you if this episode sucks. I've done my part. But look, we're talking about partnership, and let's start with this. Why is partnership important? We're not the CENTCOM posture the way that we were previously. And so currently, you probably heard our boss and uh, floating around the headquarters saying that our love language used to be aircraft carriers to Mm -hmm. the Pentagon. But that's no longer the case. But we do have as our partners. And that is a real strength that we have. It's in our national documents, our national security strategy, our national defense strategy. And it's part of how we go about providing security and stability in the region. That's right, sir. And our commitment to the region should not be measured in those first things you were talking about, the hardware, the ships, the tanks, the planes, but in the way we interact with, reach out to bring in, incorporate our partners. Right. So if you think about it and how we uh, work with and engage with our partners, what is the first step in effective communication? The first step is listening. Listening is the first step in effective communication. And part of being a good listener personally believe, is a sense of humility, that we don't have all the answers up front, that a partner has something that is worthy to listen to, and they would treat them with the respect that they deserve. And if you do that, and you listen first, you can actually uncover where your own biases are, and then develop approaches which are sound. Mm-hmm. And so I often think that if we are our best selves as Americans, that we pause and listen to each other, if we listen with dignity and respect to other people, then we can go out and be our best selves and let other people make choices between one model and ours. And our model 
ideally speaks to our values. And that's a value of commitment, following through on our commitments. And that is holding to these military to military relationships, irrespective of swings in policy and geopolitics and understanding that our partnered countries will not always share our specific values. Nonetheless, we hold through to enduring military to military relations. Maybe we'll take it, uh, sometimes in these places when you ask, when I think about these complex uh, issues that you have described, I go back to the foundational documents that we have, national security strategy, national defense strategy. And first there for the rest of the folks in this audience are probably as well aware of this, the enduring importance of the central region central to everything that we are doing. How important this region is not only to our nation's security, but that of the world. And so our national security strategy talks about how important it is for the security and stability of the region. Mm -hmm. Then now to your point about values. In this case, if we look at the way that we approach folks from our common points of convergence and where our interests align, mm -hmm. I do believe in this case that we have a convergence of where our values about humans. Right? We treat them with dignity, respect, the things that they value. Are there differences culturally across the region? Yes. I and mean, by the way, there's over about 600 million people in the region with many different cultures that are there. And they're different than our own. But in this case, you understand what's different about them, where it's the same, and where is the space that we can move forward together. You had mentioned the value of the military to military relationship. And that I agree with. That we can as military professionals, you have probably found throughout the course of your own careers, the places where our values align. Honor courage, commitment, serving a higher cause and serving their nation. And in this case, the people that we work with in the CENTCOM AOR are allies and partners. And for, for clarity, we have major non-NATO allies inside of our AOR. For example, the most recent of with is the state of Qatar, mm -hmm. Jordan, Kuwait, Pakistan, in addition to our partnerships. That we share these points where we want peace and stability and security in the region. And then from military to military, we can cooperate because we share many of the same martial virtues and values. Ultimately, you should start there with, with regard to the values that we do share. And then when you get to, we all want the same thing. We want security, stability of the region. We view the threat picture the same way. We view Iran the same way. So I think you start in a good place, you land in a good place. We do. And we think of the benefits of the rules-based order that we have, right. which have benefited so many for so many years, that the preservation of this system, as we're in this decisive decade, from others who want to change that system and reorder the world to their own benefit. And then this goes back to the value of our proposition for working with us, with people who treat them with dignity, people who treat them with respect, listen to what they have, look at the shared interests, and then go after things collectively. One way of looking at this is that we, U.S. Central Command, looks to the region to build partners and allies. By contrast, China looks to the region for customers and clients. And so it's a different way. It's a values-based way of building partnerships. And, you know, as you look at the region, the most recent partner and the most recent country into U.S. Central Command is Israel. September 2021, a realignment, a new unified command plan brought Israel into U.S. Central Command. There's always been this tension. There's always been this concern throughout the entire lifespan of CENTCOM about partnering with Israel and also partnering with Arab militaries. There was this belief early on in the 1980s, in the early 1980s, as CENTCOM was being developed, that a military command and a military commander could not partner with Israel and also partner with the Arab militaries. You know, they're, they're at odds. Uh, they don't recognize Israel and therefore it wasn't going to work. So let me ask you, how is that working? How is CENTCOM's partnership with Israel working thus far? 
Very well. We follow the lines of the Abraham Accords, open to us by diplomats in order to open this space. Where can we follow in that and capitalize upon the opportunities that Israel in the AOR, geographically, it is where it isn't changing, it's inside of our AOR. In this case, we look for where are the opportunities, where are things that are abounded, and how can we move forward together? I sometimes think of the Arabic phrase, shwaya, shwaya, right? Step by step, a little bit by little bit, how do we do these things in advance to achieve our policy objectives, but also in the points of convergence for those who live in the region. And I think there's great opportunity there. I also believe that there's opportunity for us to be better partners with the other elements of our of our government. Mm-hmm. We think through, we have the U.S. Agency for International Development, very similar culturally to, the, to those of us in uniform. And then we think of our great strength that we have in America's diplomats. I am a huge fan. Probably, as you know, I was detailed to state previously for an assignment. And I came away with a great appreciation for the way diplomats approach problems, the way that they think about things, and the way they constantly seek solutions. I think for those of us in uniform, how best do we capitalize upon the shared history we've had together mm. where development professionals, diplomats, us, folks from other agencies all work together, serve together in the field, sacrifice together, and take what we have and be able to apply it now as we move forward. And I must say, for many of our most intractable problems that we have, the military instrument is a necessary component of a solution, but it is not sufficient. All of the elements of national power have to come together to solve these problems is uh, certainly the way we need to think about it. Maybe it's just staying with Israel. One more point and then, and then we'll get off it is we had, I believe it was January, a massive exercise, very large exercise in Israel, Juniper. Was it January? It was January. Suncom time, so it does seem like it was a very long time ago. That's right. But it was January, so it was just a few months ago. It was, it was a big exercise over four days. There was a lot of press coverage on it. it surprising amount, frankly, of national, international, and then regional press coverage. I'd ask you maybe just to tee it up a little bit, describe it, and then and then the reaction from the other partners who are not party to it. So Juniper was the largest exercise we had conducted uh, with Israel in, in our record. I believe it demonstrated the U.S. resolve, our ability to flow, our ability to work and project power. And that is something that is important for those others who are watching, that our ability to do that remains intact. Mm-hmm. And there we are able to do so. And then the reflections we got from the partners in the region is they appreciated the fact that we're able to do that. And then we looked to take what is it that we learned from conducting Juniper Oak, again, for us, something new and different that we had done, and apply it in other exercises. You recall we have a bright star, for example, mm-hmm. in Egypt later this year. So we looked to take the effects that we were able to generate, how we were able to do it, the lessons learned from that, and then look to apply those in other areas across the area of responsibility. I just want to put the size and scope of Juniper Oak in perspective for the listener. This exercise began in Israel on January 23rd. It involves strategic aircraft, fighter aircraft, rescue aircraft, refueler aircraft, naval forces, ground long-range precision fires, air long-range precision fires, rotary wing aircraft, more than 140 aircraft total, assets in space, there were special operations, there were ground forces. So you had training on land, at sea, in the air, in low earth orbit, in cyberspace. The training, the four-day training involved air operations in maritime surface warfare, combat search and rescue, air interdiction, command and control. So a massive exercise. And one thing that was also important was the messaging. You know, CENTCOM, 
and the sec staff and the joint staff put a large spotlight on this and projected. And one thing that was important about this was the messaging. You know, there was a lot of press coverage. We fostered a lot of press coverage. It was highlighted in the national media, international media. It was highlighted in the region. And that press coverage, that messaging, the megaphone we applied to this, perhaps that's something that we can apply to other exercises in the region. Yes. And so this is one from, I had a previous tour as a director of communication for the Marine Corps. I left from that tour with a far greater appreciation for the power of communication. Mm. You can do wonderful things, but if you're not able to communicate that with your key stakeholders, right now, don't notice I didn't say audiences, because audiences say, assumes that they are passive and stakeholders are people who are part of your organization's success, that we have to do a better job of communicating deliberately with our stakeholders, listening to them and do that in a deliberate fashion. Huge fan of that and a huge fan of what, of, of what we do here. Not only with the allies and partners in the region, those who contribute to our other missions who are in Europe and other capitals who provide us forces, but also to the American people, right, are ultimately whom we serve and whom we protect in the Republic is the American people. And the American people to understand the importance of the region, understand what their sons and daughters are doing and why they are doing it. All right, so what are some other initiatives? What are some other programs? How else are we partnering in the region? So I'm gonna give you a, a program which I learned a great deal about more recently where we've got surprisingly more receptivity and progress than I think that most people know. And that's Women, Peace, and Security. Mm. So Women, Peace, and Security is talks about the value of women in the security space. And it is an area that's a great deal of interest from USAID, from state, and surprisingly our allies and partners in the region. Now, let me tell you how I think that this relates to our, our commander's priorities and how we do things. So first, if we are able to empower women in the security space, it helps our allies and partners deter Iran. Why? It helps them access a greater part of the talent that exists inside their own societies, bounded by cultural norms. So it supports our ability to deter Iran. Second, to counter violent extremist organizations. If we were able to empower women in the security space, are we able to get at some of their underlying root causes of the ideology in the first place. As you know, the ISIS, for example, no longer has a physical caliphate, but the ideology is not defeated. Right. Right? It is unconstrained. We have to find a way to get after the ideology. And we think that we can use women, peace, and security, plus other perhaps de-radicalization and rehabilitation efforts of our allies and partners in order to get at this root cause. And the third thing that I think that women, peace, and security supports us on our third priority is to compete strategically. So we have seen no evidence that the People's Republic of China or Russia have a similar program. So in this case, this is something that we can do, that we can build upon the successes that already exist. Mm. Right? If you think about it, Jordan has a member of the royal family who's a fighter pilot and a female. If we look at Kazakhstan on the other side of the AOR, the advances that they are making as they develop their peacekeeping capability and the value of having women peacekeepers as they go forth and support UN and other missions to do it. If we look at the advances that are in Saudi Arabia, for example, think of their vision 2030. Think of the way the society has moved. My sense is that many people back at home are not aware of where things are and they currently stand in the theater. And part of our job inside the military to military space is to build upon the successes they have reinforce those things in order to achieve our commander's priorities in support of our nation's defense, but also help our partner allies and partners in order to meet their own security needs. I'm not immersed in the program, but I believe it encourages our partner militaries to put women in positions of leadership and combat roles, this kind of thing. That's, that's what you're talking about, sir? So we would advance their ability to participate meaningfully in the security sector. So in this case, in some places, it would be like, for example, we use the Jordan example. Mm -hmm. So in this case, it would be a fighter pilot. If I went to the state of Qatar, for example, I was impressed 
impressed by the quality of the folks who are in their national security space. I didn't know if you noticed, they sent some very highly qualified people to Johns Hopkins University. It's very smart folks. I felt a little dim myself in mm-hmm. comparison to the conversation. But where the partners see that their needs are, how best can we empower a broader swath of their society in order to meet that? and help them meet their security needs. Before we close this out, I want to highlight for our listeners the State Partnership Program. Please explain it. Okay, so the State Partnership Program, for folks who are unfamiliar with it, boy, this thing is a jewel. It is fantastic. It takes our uh, folks out of our National Guard across our states, partners in with the with the country, mm-hmm. and then it opens up human-to-human contact. Right, so it starts with the Guard, then you worked in the military-to-military space. I was most recently in Oman, who was our newest uh, state partner, and they brought the new governor of Arizona it came out, as well as the uh, adjutant general, as a broad swath of people. Regards men and women are in their civilian lives. They have other careers, right? They have other jobs. They have access to different things. So the partnership program opens the door for a sustained military-to-military relationship over time. Mm -hmm. And then if you think, well, look, if you partner with the state, you can open the door to academic exchanges, and you can open the door to business exchanges, and then you open the door to human-human relationships. That's something that it's very hard to measure. It's very hard to measure when you're in the Pentagon, but it matters when you're on the ground in the area of responsibility. When you're in the region, the human-to-human things, then people can move at the speed of trust. And given the rise of the threats that our nation faces and where things are going in, in the region, we have to be able to move at the speed of trust. I am a huge fan of the State Partnership Program, what our guards, men and women bring, and the civilian leadership who supports them to do that. It is an extraordinary program. And I must say that Arizona has a 30-year anniversary with Kazakhstan coming up. Mm. Nothing but kudos for them. And then we have a wider range of others who are there. It is a fantastic program. But again, to the point, how best do you build out the mill-to-mill to incorporate a broader swath of society and support everything else our government wants to do? It's a great, great point. You know, obviously, we want the best for the people in the region. We want security and stability for the region. But we are part of the American military. We are yes. part of the American military. The American people are paying into this, and we have American interests in the region. The American interests we must protect and adhere to, and that's our responsibility here in CENTCOM, frankly. And so, when you talk about state partnership, that's where these things align. You know, yes. the, the regional interests, the American interests. Yes. Uh, our people, their people. Yes. Yes. Maybe you think through our our nation's interests. Right at the end of the day, right, we support our nation's interests. We have allies and partners where the interests converge. But going back to the importance of the region, many people think about energy as the number one thing. And yes, uh, this is important. We think about trade. We probably, if you recall, in March of 2021, when we had one of the large container ships go awry in the um, Suez Canal and the impact it had on global commerce, probably most of us learned, many of us learned more about supply chain dependencies during that period of time than we had known before. What you're referring to is a story we know very well here in CENTCOM. March 2021, the ever-given cargo ship was stuck in the Suez Canal, effectively halting all commercial transit through the Suez. That cost $9.6 billion a day in global trade and more than $54 billion over six days. It hurt American companies. It was the center of national media attention here in the United States, certainly international media attention. And the United States remembered that the Middle East mattered. Yes. Agreed. Hopefully they haven't forgotten. Right. And then we think about where we are now and the importance of uh, Muslim faith, uh, Christian, Jewish faiths, all converging at the same time of where we are now and the importance of this region as it relates to the rest of the people of the world. All right. Well, I think here maybe if, if you could tie a bow around this here, just what are some of the other initiatives that, that uh, we should know about, that the audience should know about, or other things you're working on that I think would be helpful for people to understand? 
If I could, maybe we could do it in a thanks, a thank you to the people that we have inside the formation. Mm -hmm. We think about the people, the, the, the foundation of everything that we do, and we think about it as the people who are inside of our family and the people out there who lend us their sons and their daughters. The importance of what it is that they are doing, the why behind their service. Most of our people come forth to be part of something greater than themselves. They want a place where their talent can take them as far as they want to go and a place where their voices can be heard. Well, that place is here. We have it in U.S. Mm -hmm. Central Command. Mm -hmm. We have an important mission. This is the only, this is the place where you know, and I feel very sorry for the families of the wounded and the killed that we recently had. Mm -hmm. We have people in harm's way today, mm -hmm. who every day who are out there serving and what they do matters. March 23rd and 24th, we had a number of troops wounded in a series of attacks in Syria by Iran-backed forces. These were drone attacks and rocket attacks, and we had a contractor killed. And uh, we think about them and their families. And, you know, it's clear you care about our people. You know I do as well. That extends to their families, and we care about our people beyond their usefulness to the command. Uh, in fact, we care about all aspects of their existence that allow for a fulfilling life. And really, that's what we mean, sir, by the people component of people, partners, innovation. So you spoke about partners. I want to thank you for that. I want to thank you for coming into the CentCast studio, and thank you for your leadership and your work here in CentCom. It's a real honor to serve alongside you, Joe. It's a honor learned alongside of our allies and partners who are embedded within our formation, on whose judgment I depend, mm -hmm. upon the advice and counsel of those in the theater who are my peers, and the ability to serve an important mission still at my advanced age. Well, we'll have to have you back. Thanks, brother. I greatly appreciate it. Great conversation with General Celine. Let's hit the messaging on the way out. Deter Iran. Counter-violent extremist organizations compete strategically with China and Russia. That is what we do. People, partners, innovation, that is how we do it. Today we focused on partners. Next episode, we'll focus on innovation. Thanks for listening. <laughs>